Robin Farnsworth, an ER nurse, was on duty when a man came in stabbed in the heart and minutes later pronounced dead. But it wasn't just any man. He was a hero that put his life in defense for a friend. This is Spencer's story. Who is Spencer and what happened to that young man? Spencer uh, was my firstborn son and um, I was on duty in the ER. Um, this is January 26th of 2002. And um, we got a call that there were two stabbing victims coming in. And I was assigned to uh, a room in the ER where the traumas came in. And from where I stood, I couldn't really see much of um, the, the victim when he came into the room. He was worked on for about 15 minutes and then pronounced dead. There really wasn't anything anyone could do. Um, he had a stab wound to the heart and um, had bled to death. And when they took his wallet out of his jeans and opened it up, I was kind of looking over their shoulder and I saw my son's name. And um, they started taking out, you know, license and all these forms of identification. And, you know, the first thing I said was, what's this guy doing with my son's wallet? I just was completely in denial, but I knew that I had to turn and walk over to the stretcher and take a look at his face. And um, they were the longest few steps of my life. You know, I could feel my legs starting to give out. I think in my heart, I knew. And um, then I said, you know, that's my son. And, um, and my whole world um, from that point was completely shattered and and undone and we were trying to piece it together a little bit in the er that night of course there were policemen coming in there was you know it was just crazy busy the other young man was in another room and um he survived although he had been stabbed also and beaten and before i left one of the police officers came over to me and said your son was a hero he died um saving the life of the other young man who ended up surviving after surgery. And so, you know, I, that was all I knew at that point when I drove home um, early that morning. Of course, I had to call my son, Miles, who was in college at the time. And that was definitely probably the hardest thing in my life I ever did because they, the two of them were only two years apart, very close. Um, and then I remember so clearly walking over to the window in the living room and um, watching the, the sky turn blue and so vividly just feeling the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, will you forgive? And it was just a yes, no question, you know, and, and I didn't really know who was involved. I knew there were several people involved, but I didn't know names or anything at that point. And because of just what I knew about who God was and what he had shown me very, very early on in my um, walk with Jesus, I knew um, the, the weight of forgiveness and how critical that was. And so all I simply said was, yes, yes, I will. You know, I just kind of settled it right there. 
And um, that's probably the one of the most vivid things that really uh, stands out to me about that day. And, you know, I can look back now and it seems kind of like, well, gee, why would, of all the things God could say to you at, at that time, you'd think, you know, he'd want to just put his arms around you and tell you, but I understand how, why God really needed to get a hold of me right then, because I was going to have this, this kind of mass invasion of a whole community of reporters, TV, all these people just invading my private life um, that day and for a long time after that. And my willingness to forgive not only set a tone you know, on the whole event uh, towards my own family. My sons were watching me. I had another 10-year-old son, my husband, um, but also in the wider community, my son's friends, my church family. Everyone was sort of looking at me like, okay, how are we going to respond to this? Because this was really a horrific thing that happened to a young man who everyone knew that he had given his life to Christ and he was not a violent person and he prayed for all his friends and how are we going to deal with this horrific thing? So my simple act of obedience and, you know, honestly, to me, it was just a very simple yes. You know, it wasn't anything I struggled over. Um, but that set the whole course of events, you know, in, in a certain trajectory that, that would have looked entirely different if I had given God a different answer that morning. So Spencer had a, a, God, a godly heart. What exactly happened in this story? How did he come to someone's defense? What was the dynamics of the story? So that particular night, and I would say for about a month prior to that, he had been hanging out with old friends more than normal. And he, I also knew that he was at the point of just real frustration. He was trying to get his own place with some of his friends from church and they were sort of living in their mom's basements and, and he knew he didn't belong anymore with his old friends. Like he didn't fit. Even they said to me after he died, they said, you know, he wouldn't even swear and he didn't want to fight. I mean, we almost felt like we had to protect him because he was so different than how he used to be. But he was there um, in an apartment that night. And actually, this girl that he had been dating said, you know, he wasn't feeling well. He went upstairs to lie down. And there had been this sort of back and forth kind of fight, you know, that he had nothing to do with that night. In fact, he even told them, you know, don't, don't go back, just leave it alone. But these kids did go back. And what happened was they caused this just rage of retribution to come back to this apartment. And these kids actually broke down the door. They had uh, knives, weapons. There were six kids involved and began attacking this other young man who I guess had been involved in one of the fights. They saw him through the window. And my son woke up hearing this horrific noise and um, ran down the stairs and just began pulling them off of this other young man. And just in the whole crazy rage of the whole thing, 
um, he got grabbed from behind and stabbed three times. The young man who actually stabbed my son was my other son, Miles's best friend in middle school and used to spend the night at my house all the time. Mm -hmm. And he actually adored Spencer. He looked up to him, you know, like he was, in fact, that night he had told some kids, Hey, if you see Spencer, make sure you leave him alone because he just was really admired by. um... So, you know, when this whole thing happened, it was tragic on so many levels Hmm. Um, six young men ended up uh, going to prison, one for life. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was it was a crazy event. Did the one who stabbed him go to prison for life? Yeah, he's there. Um, and yeah, he got first degree, which in Massachusetts is life without parole. And then there's, um, Jeez, there were two that got second degree, which is um, life with a chance of parole. And so there's one other who um, is still in prison, but kind of getting ready to be released. But this is 20 years later. You know, this is a good portion of of a young man's life. So um, I have, and, you know, I, I kind of chronicle it in, towards the end of my book, <clears throat> how God put me together with a couple of these young men while they were in prison um, and we addressed the whole forgiveness issue. And um, it's a pretty amazing story. One of them is, is definitely um, serving God. He's definitely a Christian and, and really on board. Um, And I know that with a few of the others that God has really, he's not done yet, you know, in their lives. So, yeah. So now you know this person who you have a, a relationship sort of with this person that stabbed your son. Yeah. How did you get to the point where you were forgiving him for taking yeah, your son's so, life? You no, know, this isn't a really just amazing part of who God is because, you know, I really believe, in fact, I know that when we obey God on just these simple yes, no things, which is usually what he asks, or simple things, you know, I know at that point when I said yes to God, it was almost as if he created this, this hedge around my heart, this buffer around my heart, because a year and a half later, I had to sit through a murder trial for two weeks and you know, I had to, it wasn't over. This was the kind of thing that really kind of follows you, you know? And I can honestly say, I never looked at the young man who murdered my son and felt any rage, any hatred, any even anger, nothing like that. I only felt um, certainly sadness um, because You know, I mean, just to see a 19-year-old locked up and sent away for the rest of his life is is just tragic. And God poured a love in my heart for these young men that because I know he's a redemptive God, I always felt like you're not done with this yet, you know? And a lot of it was just sort of waiting on God and seeing where he was going with things. It took about 10 years Um, for God to connect me with a couple of them while they were in prison. And the one who murdered my son, we actually um, 
were able to arrange a meeting. This happened about three years ago. Um, It was the first time in Massachusetts history where a um, a homicide, um, the, the mother of a homicide victim was able to sit down face to face and talk with the inmate. Um, And so God just moved in so many ways. Um, It was difficult, of course, you know. Well, you certainly are a um, wonderful, wonderful person that God has really blessed and giving you an extra measure of forgiveness in your heart. Um, because you're awfully calm about this there I see no rage in you so mm-hmm. I know that God has placed his um, the Holy Spirit in your heart to forgive this this man and um, you know it's just a blessing that you um, in a sense you know him did you know his parents his mom um, you know only so far as kind of waving to her when she dropped her son off and you know it was interesting because when Spencer gave his life to Christ. His younger brother, Miles, was very impacted by that. So Miles had kind of been getting in trouble too. And that's kind of where he and this other young man who ended up murdering my son, they were kind of getting into trouble together in middle school age. And then when he hit high school was right around when Spencer turned his life around. Mm -hmm. So Miles kind of went this way and this other young man went the other way. And, you know, Miles always stayed friendly with him, but um, I never really saw, his name is Zane. I never really saw him uh, after middle school. You know, I'd ask Miles what's going on and, and Miles would say he's, he's getting into trouble. You know, he kind of continued in that vein as he went through high school mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think ended up quitting high school. So, you know, I didn't really, you know, I knew him as a middle school kid and he was very bright and funny and, uh, you know, it's, um, it's tragic, but I do tell him and I've written him, we've written back and forth a couple of times, but I say, you know, Zane, God can use your life even in those four walls for his glory and give you like such an amazing joy and, you know, sense of purpose. And, and that's all I can say to him, because I know it's true. I know Mm -hmm. it's true. Even in a prison, I know that God can be glorified. So So. wonderful that God has carried you through this and given you a hope and a wonderful ministry. Um, You know, I I just want to say that that to everyone that Robin and her husband, Calvin, they live in Cape Cod where they run a higher ground out, outreach, a, a Christian nonprofit for incarcerated men and women. And if you want to know more about them, you can go to their website, go all the information about Spencer, about the story, the book, which is called The Greater Weight of Glory, uh, is at spencersmom.com. You can get it there. And um, I just want to thank you so much, Robin, for sharing this wonderful story of forgiveness and love and, um, and God. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching the call. We hope you learn more about Jesus through this video. You can have a relationship with Jesus. Just invite him into your life. Repent of your sins, ask for forgiveness, and make Jesus your Lord and Savior. 
Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Thank you for watching The Call with Nancy Sabato, where we are leading you to Christ through stories and teachings.